Um, perception is reality! <laughs> Sit back and enjoy the show! If you make it! Welcome, folks, to this 52nd episode of Perception is Reality. I'm your host, as Igor said, Christopher Haunted Bilbrey. You knew the H stood for something. Welcome to this episode. I want to thank you for tuning in and giving me a little bit of your time. Of course, being so close to Halloween, this is the Halloween-themed show. I want to thank you for tuning in and listening, however you're doing that on whatever your favorite podcast hosting site is, or if you're listening from the home station, perception.fireside.fm. Whichever way, I want to thank you, and I want to ask you to continue doing what you do so well, and that is sharing these episodes and sharing the message with all of your friends, your family, your co-workers, and everyone else that you know by word of mouth or social media. Again, the podcast can always be heard on all major hosting sites as well as at the home station of perception.fireside.fm. All right, so I want to say as we're getting into the show, it sounds like there may be some spooky ghosts and goblins here hanging out in the studio or in the electronics. Don't worry. They can't hurt you. They can't get you. They can't cause you any issues. They aren't real. It's sound effects for this very spooky Halloween episode that I'm doing. It's just effects that I've ran through the system and recorded and mixed into the backing track. But ladies and gentlemen, what I'm going to be talking to you about in this 52nd episode is very scary and it absolutely can bother you and it can cause you issues and it's based on a true story and it can be a prediction of what we're looking at in the future and we can absolutely know that we're heading into a disaster. However, with a little bit of work and a little bit of common sense, and a whole lot of knowledge, we can rewrite that story. We can rewrite what will be our future. Now, how is that possible? Well, it just takes a little bit of effort. Now, listen, I don't know where you're all listening from. 
The listenership has grown and grown and grown over the last several months. And I thank each and every one of you that come back week in and week out giving me a little bit of your time. I generally try to take up less than an hour. And I appreciate you all listening. But I know that you're listening from all over the United States. I know the majority of my listeners are from Indiana. And a good chunk of my listeners are from East Central Indiana. For those of you that are in Indiana, and specifically in East Central Indiana, of course, we're within the week away, depending on when you're listening to this, from the 2019 general election for municipalities, towns, and cities. For those of you listening from the county areas of those places, you're not voting, but you will be. And for those of you listening from outside of Indiana, you're probably not having an election in the next week either, but you will be. And this is a story, this is an episode, which can be beneficial to you whether you're a week out from an election or not. And this is why. No matter where you're at, you can probably look around and say one of two things. Hey, I love what's going on in my community. My officials are doing a damn good job. They are staying informed on big projects that are going on. They are keeping us informed. They are communicating. They are transparent. They are accountable. And for the most part, citizens are up on what's going on in the community. Or you can say, no, our officials don't seem very transparent. And there seems to be no accountability. And I'm not really sure I could even begin to tell you what's happening in my local government. And that's what I'm talking about. Because not knowing what's going on and or not having an understanding of what your officials are doing and having officials that aren't transparent and aren't accountability and not being willing to make them transparent and accountable and not having partnership with your other fellow citizens and no one really doing anything about broken local government can lead you to a nightmare scenario. Now, over this episode, as I do in various other episodes, I'm going to give you examples from my hometown of Winchester and my birth town of Muncie because that's where I follow a lot of local government. But besides that, I follow local government and state government and national government and could easily talk about those. But it's easiest for me to give you examples from Winchester and Muncie. I also follow what goes on in Indianapolis. And let me start there just for a second. Let me give you a horrible situation and a horrible scenario and set you up for a very scary future and a very scary story. In Indianapolis currently, they're a week out from the election and you have running for mayor, two gentlemen, Democrat incumbent Joe Hogsett, who has been an absolute freaking nightmare. He has been horrible as a mayor. He has been horrible on crime. 
He has been horrible for the infrastructure and for roads. He's been horrible for businesses. And his four years in office has been absolutely marred in just nonsense. And right now as we sit, if you live in Indianapolis, or for those of us who live outside of Indianapolis, but we look to Indianapolis as being, you know, so goes Indianapolis, so goes the state, we're looking at another four years with Joe Hogsett. And basically, this last 11 months has been a complete waste. Now, Jim Merritt, who is the Republican challenger for Mayor Hogsett, James Merritt is a Republican member of the Indiana Senate. He represents District 31. He's been there for 100 years, and he's been there since like 92, 91, something like that. When Merritt first announced, when he first announced that he was going to announce, I was kind of excited. I followed a little bit of Merritt's career. I've been unhappy with how he was connected with the crap that was going on with the Winchester House drug treatment facility that we have in Winchester. But a lot of other stuff he did kind of excited me. And I watched his first announcement. And he had a former mayor there, Mayor Greg Ballard. And he had some people there in the audience, had some news press there. And the announcement tanked. It was a disaster. I watched it probably nine or ten times right in a row just trying to figure out what in the hell was going on. He was stuttering around, he didn't seem prepared, and it was just confused. And I knew right then that the city and the citizens of Indianapolis were in trouble. That basically, they ought to just go ahead and call the mayor's race. Now, jump forward, Five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten months out from there. And Jim Merritt has been basically non-existent as a Republican candidate. The citizens know Hogsett, the mayor, the current mayor who's running for re-election, has sucked. And the citizens want something done about it. But they didn't push Merritt. They didn't require him to be better than what he's been. And so now, folks, in Indianapolis, it's absolutely scary that we are on the eve of election. We are less now than a week away from the election where Joe Hogsett is going to beat Jim Merritt, hands down, for a re-election. And let me tell you why this is scary. This is scary because it's going to cost you all money. Those that live in Indianapolis or drive in Indianapolis, work or play in Indianapolis. And a lot of people who don't live in Indianapolis go to Indianapolis. I'm there quite a bit. Now, I may have to pay money because I might hit a pothole and it might damage one, two or more of my tires and my rims. I might go to Indianapolis and be killed because of the out of control violence. Let me explain something to you, folks. 
People are absolutely going to lose their lives in the next four years. And I don't know how much more scary it gets. The fact that crime is rampant there and out of control, and you have a police department that is solving 30% of the crimes, the violent homicide crimes, that is a nightmare. You couldn't write a scarier piece than that. I would rather have Ghost than know that I'm just walking downtown Indianapolis like I often do, and so many often do, and that I'm going to be gunned down because you have violent thugs running loose because they know they're not going to get caught. And that is a scary story. Let's pull it a little closer to home. Winchester. I don't even know what to tell you about Winchester. This election season, I haven't done much with Winchester, you know? Because the powers that be have basically insulated themselves. They haven't got out and talked to the citizens. They haven't allowed citizens to talk to them. Yeah, they run around in their own circles. Yes, they probably walked the golf course. Yes, they've all patted each other on the back and they've all went and ate breakfast together and they've all talked about how wonderful each other is. But what are they doing to make you, to make the normal, common, everyday Winchester citizen, Winchester voter, feel like they're going to be your mayor or your counselor? Folks, either way, either candidate wins in Winchester, we're in a nightmare scenario. And much like Jim Merritt, the citizens haven't got off their butts to say, yo, Bob, yo, Bill, we expect more. So what we're going to do is we're going to elect one of these assholes all right, and it's going to be Bob McCoy. Bob McCoy is going to win the election, and he's going to go in and he's going to revamp the police department, or at least that's what he said. I don't know what that means. That seems scary. He calls everybody in Winchester drug addicts. That seems scary. He wants to tear down all homes. Every He looks at Winchester as a blighted sore on the map. He's more or less said that. And who knows what's going to happen? There's no recourse for citizens who don't like an elected official once they're in office. The only way that they can be dealt with is at the ballot box or unless... They're convicted of a felony or they resign. Now, if three-fourths of the city showed up at a meeting one day and demanded them to resign, maybe they would, probably not. But let me explain, very much like the story in Indianapolis I just said, we have citizens who don't like the direction that Winchester has been going for the last four years 
But instead of doing anything, instead of demanding better, the majority of the citizens have just sat back and said, eh, they've got it. It looks good, you know. Now, they're not really saying it looks good. They're just not doing anything about it. And I don't understand why. Because what's going to happen is, come January, come February of next year, of 2020, we're going to be sitting in meetings, and nonsense is going to be occurring. And, you know, we're, we're, we're going to be left without an option. We're going to have a meh council and a meh mayor, and that's just going to happen. For the folks in Indianapolis, Jim Merritt's going to have wasted however little money he's put out on this and raised for this, and Hogsett's going to win and do nothing for the next four years, and citizens are going to die, roads are going to get worse, businesses are going to fail and not come to the state and not come to Indianapolis and Hogsett's going to continue thinking he is you know the master politician or whatever it is that he thinks is going on he's insulated from it just like Bob McCoy will be insulated from it in Winchester and we have a situation in which citizens have been bitching in both of these cities. But then over the last course of the 10, 11 months, where has everybody been? Why in Indianapolis are the Republicans not putting up a candidate that can beat Hogsett? Merritt, he is a waste as a candidate. This will have been a wasted election. In Winchester, we have Beavis versus Butthead. We have Bob McCoy versus Bill Richmond. Neither one of them have a freaking clue what's going on. I'm not sure that when Bob wins, and let me get it very clear, I'm making the prediction in episode 52 that Joe Hogsett will easily win the mayor's race in Indianapolis and Bob McCoy will easily win the mayor's race in Winchester. I'm not even sure if Bob McCoy is going to be a full-time mayor. He may still have plans on continuing to work. And let me tell you folks, that's about as scary as it gets because we currently have a mayor in Winchester who has been non-existent since August. Now here it is two months out from August and we've had no one working in the mayor's office, not even a secretary because the mayor's secretary quit a while back. So whoever wins Bob McCoy is going to have to hit the ground running and going to have to be playing catch-up. And he can't do that very well if he himself isn't going to be there. What am I talking about, you may ask? Well, I'm wondering if the currently employed Bob McCoy, that kind of sounded weird, the currently employed Bob McCoy 
is going to plan on resigning or retiring to give the job of mayor, which is a full-time mayor's job, his entire mind, his entire ability to do what he can for the city? Or is he going to be splitting his time between his current work and the office of mayor? And if that's what's going to happen, then there's no way we're going to get caught up. And it's going to be another four years of bullshit. Same thing that the city of Indianapolis is currently involved in. Another four years of bullshit. Another four years of the Republicans saying, Man, man, I can't wait till we can run somebody against Hogshead. And then we're going to run... You know, I mean, the only thing they worse than merit has if they would have actually ran somebody that was dead. I think a dead candidate would have done better than Merritt's done. I, I am so shocked at what he's done. Now, the people of Indianapolis hasn't been there to force him to do any better because it seems like everybody's just given up. I, I don't know. That's kind of what's going on in Winchester. And I have to wonder, I'm not leaving out the citizens of Muncie. I'm going to use the whole back 20 minutes to talk about you. I have to wonder what's going on in Muncie. So we had a primary in May, just six months ago. And we had a ton of good candidates. Good candidates on the Republican side, good candidates on the Democrat side. Some races had two and three candidates each running in the primary. And nobody showed up. No one came out. Voter turnout was low. Everybody's bitching. Everyone's going through the entire campaign. January, February, all last year leading up. Everyone's like, oh, we need a new this and we need a new that. And we need to do better. And we got corruption and we need to get rid of this corruption. And boo to Dennis Tyler and blah, 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 blah. But then the time gets here and everyone says, meh, I'm going to phone it in. I don't, I've called into this election sick. I don't, I don't have anything to say here. And so, I mean, the people that came out did so-and-so and this and that. And now, we've got good candidates running for this general election, but I have to wonder, is the same thing going to happen? And the reason I have to wonder that is this. This reason right here. So far, early voting has been underway since October 8th, okay? As of the recording of this episode, not when you're listening to it, but as of the recording of this episode, we are into the fourth week of early voting. There's been three full weeks of early voting, and nobody's come out. It's been very low, minuscule numbers. And I hear people say, well, I'm afraid if I go vote, they'll manipulate the ballots and they'll do this or that. Well, folks, I'm hearing people say that who 
generally complain about not liking Democrats, and they're saying that because that used to be a fear that the Democrat-controlled county clerk's office would do. But I'm hearing people who generally align themselves as Republicans are saying that, and it doesn't make sense because the county clerk is a Republican. So I don't think that the Republican county clerk is doing that. Now, I'm not saying I'm not willing to take a look at him if somebody brings something up, but I'm just saying that seems like an excuse. So for so many years, and this is why people are apathetic, and and honestly, this is a which came first, the chicken or the egg. Why we're where we're at is because this is what always happens. Everyone always says how corrupt Muncie is, how bad Muncie is, how horrible the people in charge are, how bad 214 and their slate of candidates are, and how bad Dennis Tyler and his administration is, and these people running and those people running. And everybody gets all up in arms. And now that social media is a thing, Everybody's posting all of this stuff all day, every day. I remember back in the early to mid-2000s when the Star Press forums was a thing. I posted on the Star Press forums as Sir Robert Peel. Some people know that, some people don't. I have a tattoo on my right arm that says Peel that signify when all of that and my major, major political activism started. Now, I look back and I absolutely say that I was supporting the wrong candidate, the wrong side. I was blinded and part of that was due to my experience in law enforcement up to that point. I was backing a a candidate, a person, an official that I now regret that I was backing. And see, that's why I am not hypocritical. Because I can say when I am pushing for someone and then when that someone does something wrong or is in the bad or is is not good, I can flip and say, wait a minute, that's not good. I am loyal. I am loyal and absolutely loyal. I'm a loyal person. But... I am loyal in the case of politics to the community and to the people. I am not loyal to a specific candidate. I'm pushing for Dan Ridenour and have been pushing for Dan Ridenour. But if or when Dan Ridenour does something that needs to be questioned or his administration does something that needs someone to call question to what's going on, You can bet your bottom dollar I will be there to do that. And honestly, we're going to find out pretty quickly where we all fall with that when he announces who his police chief picks are if he in fact is the winner. Because I have some predictions of four individuals who I feel could possibly be named for one of those two spots. Meaning, I have four officers that I feel he's going to appoint any two of those people to the chief and deputy chief spots. And if or when he does that, I'm going to come out against that move. So we'll see. He may prove me wrong, but I'm afraid that he's not going to. 
And listen, this is why we need to have the understanding, and we've talked about it in the last couple of episodes. Nobody agrees with anybody 100% of the time. You don't agree with your spouse 100% of the time. You don't agree with your parents or your children 100% of the time. You don't agree with your boss. You don't agree with your neighbor. You sure as hell aren't going to agree 100% of the time with me, and I'm not going to agree 100% of the time with you. Because I call something out that a Republican or that Dan does doesn't make me a bad person and doesn't mean you have to hate on me. It just means we disagree on something they do. I can call Dan out for something and still support him just as I can call Dennis Tyler out for things but support certain aspects of what he does because I'm not hypocritical. I understand what's good for the goose is good for the gander. I completely get it. And we all need to get to a point where we can do that. But back to the horror story. If citizens don't get out and vote, if citizens treat this election like they treated the primary election, then Muncie is in a world of hurt. And I want to be very clear here. Dan might be the man for the job. In my opinion, he is the man for the job. But just because Dan is elected does not mean that he's going to do or be able to do everything that he wants to do or has promised to do. Why? Why is that? Why would he promise things and not be able to do them? Well, because if no one shows up to vote and we elect bad people back to the council seat, then having Dan in office is not going to be as great as what everybody thinks. And I know I'm going to take some heat for saying that. And people are going to stop listening or stop checking in or they don't want to be tagged or this or that. But it's time for people to grow up and be realistic. Dan Ridenour can have all these wonderful plans. And I truly believe he's got these wonderful plans. But he's only going to be able to do anything with them if he has the help of a council that's willing to do the right thing. If folks don't elect the right council members to the council, and if Dan is fighting every battle uphill against the tide, against the current, if he is fighting a hostile and self-serving council, then Dan will not be able to get done what Dan is wanting to get done. And people need to realize that. We are in a situation where we can absolutely doom ourselves to repeat the last four years, the last eight years, the last 12 years, the last 62 years, if citizens stay at home because they think 
one candidate or the other has it in the bag, or because they're so apathetic because of all of the shit that has happened in the past, they don't care now, but they want now to be different, but they don't want to go out to do anything different to make it different, so it's going to be like the last 62 years, so they're going to be like, look, that's why I shouldn't have cared, because it's never going to change, and it's never going to change because I don't get out to do anything. Do you see? Do you see what a horror story this can turn out to be? Do you see how bad we are? We are at the crux, people. We are at the crossroads. Daniel Johnson standing here waiting to meet the devil, and we're standing here ready to go left or go right and make a horrible choice or start to clean crap up. As far as Indianapolis and Winchester goes, they're slamming the plane into the mountain. They don't have a hope. We will have to fix it in four years and hope that we're not just dried up and blown away by that point. Indianapolis, hang on tight. Get guns. Get your permits. Know your rights. Don't go out to places. Don't drive your car in potholes and see you in four years. I hope you bring a candidate that's worth a damn. City of Winchester, man, oh man, oh man. Oh man, oh man, oh man. We need to get rid of the Davis-crats. We need to get rid of Fred Davis. We need to get rid of his wife. We need to get rid of the Byrams. I'm hoping after Byram leaves out of office that him and his wife and his kids will maybe move to Union City or, or I don't know. Maybe they'll move to Muncie and join the insanity there. But we need to get rid of the Davis-crats. We need to actually get good Democrats just like Muncie needs to. Muncie needs to get rid of Phil Nichols, Annette Craycraft, Allie Craycraft, Mike White, Nora Powell. We need to get back to having good Republicans, good Democrats, good Libertarians, good Green Party. It don't matter on the local level. That does not matter. Common sense has to rule the day. That's what matters. And until it does, we're going to be perpetually trapped in this nightmare this nightmare this horror story that folks does not go away on November 1st when Halloween is over it will be here through next Halloween and the Halloween after that and the Halloween after that and the Halloween after that because that's where we're at. And this is a living, breathing, everyday, true story based on real events, nightmare, horror story. And that citizens aren't understanding that and that citizens aren't doing every damn thing they can do to change it. Meaning to push Jim Merritt and to get him into shape to be able to run to beat Hogsett, and that the citizens of Winchester aren't demanding more from these candidates or demanding better candidates, and that the citizens of Muncie aren't getting out to vote and aren't showing up to early polls and aren't doing what they need to do. We are damned to repeat 
the horror story that we are currently trapped in, it takes all of us to work together. To work together on different sides, even. We can be Republicans and Democrats working together to better our community. We can be official Republicans and Democrats. We can be citizens Republicans and Democrats. And we can all be working together. If we don't open our eyes, if we don't step away from the bullshit and the fantasy and believing that because we see someone as a nice person, that means they're a good leader. If we don't really take a look at what people are saying and who people are, and if we don't really examine every candidate to the best of our ability, and if we don't show up and cast a vote, well, then you get what you deserve. I guess it's kind of like in the horror movies that you see on TV when the cute girl is in the house and she hears the monster upstairs and she has the option of either running out the door or going to check what that noise was instead of just running out the door and getting in the car and driving to where there's people at, she goes upstairs and we're all sitting there saying, no, no, don't go up the stairs. He's right behind you. That's where we're at, folks. That's where we're at in the city of Muncie. That's where we're at in Winchester and in Indianapolis and probably your community, wherever you're at. The monster the broken local government is creeping up right behind us. And I mean, he is so close. As citizens as a whole, Republicans, Democrats, people who don't care, all wrapped into one character. We're the pretty girl in the movie searching through the house. And the corruption monster the lack of transparency monster the lack of accountability monster the nightmare of our dreams repeating history with people that we purposefully elect back into their seats like Nora Powell like electing back Tom Sells into a seat where he's already held a seat on the council in Winchester for 9, 10, 11 years, however many years he says, when he's not done anything in all those other years that's been worth a damn. When we can look at fresh eyes wanting to take a look at things as a council member on the council like Karen Wilkins but yet the city of Winchester is going to elect Bear Alfrey and there's nothing wrong with Bear he's a good person but he's part of 
the establishment. He's part of what they all are. Rather than having a citizen run, he's a citizen, of course, but he had no intentions of running. He even said that at the candidate forum that wasn't a forum. He said, they asked me, they begged me to run. Why? Why? Because they don't want Karen to win? Why don't they want Karen to win? Because Karen might actually look and examine what's happening? Because Karen might vote the way the citizens want her to vote? She might vote the way her district wants her to vote? Is that why? Why are we on the cusp of this election facing the possibility of Nora Powell maybe winning in Muncie? Look, folks, I've been campaigning hard, hard, hard against Nora Powell. And several other folks have. A large portion of the community has been. But I openly say she can still win. We are less than a week away as of the recording of this episode. Not when you listen to it, the recording. And I absolutely say that Nora can win. Now, I also say, and I'm proud of the fact that Nora can absolutely lose. And that's the first time she's been in that spot. But folks, so many people are fooled. So many people are fooled. And I don't understand it. When we can hear Miss Powell, Counselor Powell, 214 Democrat candidate, and not just a Democrat candidate running from around 214, I mean 214 Democrat candidate running as a 214 candidate taking her orders from Phil Nichols and Mike White, we can hear her say the following, and we still say that we'll vote for her? That's just absolutely insane. When we hear Nora Powell say this, female running for office in an already precarious situation because of my whole 214 affiliation and now I'm a big whore bag? I really don't give a fuck. She tells us there in her own words that she is 214 affiliated. I am a female running for office in an already precarious situation because of my whole 214 affiliation and now situation because of my whole 214 affiliation and now I'm a big precarious situation because of my whole 214 affiliation and now I'm a big situation because of my whole 214 affiliation and now because of my whole 214 affiliation and now situation because of my whole 214 affiliation 214 affiliation and now of my whole 214 affiliation and whole 214 affiliation and now 
situation because of my whole 214 affiliation. We hear her say that, and citizens can still vote for her and still claim that she's a good person. Ah, she might be a good person, but she's not a good person to run for office. I don't think she's a good person because I've heard her personal attacks. I've heard how low she can get. I've heard how in the dumpster she is. She can talk about others' families and then claim some kind of outrage when folks talk about her adult sister who is in the campaign with her, who is more than capable of doing what's been claimed against her. I don't buy it that she's a morally good person. In my opinion, Nora Powell is morally bankrupt. Yet, she's sneaking up behind us, and the citizens of Muncie are going to run up the stairs with Nora and to the bedroom rather than out the door and to the car to drive to the ballot box to vote against her. And that's a horror story if I've ever heard one. When folks know that you're the monster and they still get in the car with you, I just, I don't get it. I don't understand. Muncie is going to wake up in a never-ending cycle, at least for the next four years, if they don't vote for candidates that can help Dan Ridenauer out. They need to be able to work together, the council and the mayor. Whoever the mayor is, if it's Terry Witt Bailey, she needs a council that can help her. Everybody wants the big heroes, the FBI, to swing in and save the day, and the FBI is going to do their job. But the citizens have to help themselves. Like in the horror movies, it's up to the victims, it's up to the people, the stars of the show, to do what they can to kill the monster at the end of the movie rather than to let it be sequel after sequel after sequel. And it starts to get ridiculous. And it's like Jason 35, the monster at the skating rink. I mean, that's where we're at. We're like Muncie, corruption, monster. And it's like sequel number 97. And everyone's like, you know, I've already seen this movie. It's a shit show. I don't want to see it again. But then nobody does anything. I don't understand. I don't get why everyone doesn't do what we can to get out of this horror story, to get out of this monster movie, and to better our governments with local citizen involvement, to make our communities a better place to live, work, and play, to make our communities better for our children to come back to after college, to be able to work without getting murdered, to be able to drive down the road without falling into a hole, 
to be able to find work, to be able to get active and involved in their local government and make a difference. But it's up to us. We have to be willing to put the work in to make the difference. We have to be willing to do better. It's been the Halloween episode, episode 52. I want to thank you for joining me here at Perception is Reality. I'm your host, Christopher H. Bilbrey. Thanks for tuning in. And I know it's been a rather unsettling, scary story, but we can make it better. We can do things differently. We can rewrite what the story can and will be if we don't do better. But we have to get active. We have to get involved. And we have to be willing to do some work because our communities are worth it. We can better our local government through our citizen involvement, but it's going to take all of us. Thanks for tuning in. Please share this episode. Share the home link, perception.fireside.fm. And until next time, take care, God bless, be safe, and we'll talk to you again real soon. You've been listening to Perception is Reality with Christopher H. Bilbrey. Bilbrey. Tune in, like, and subscribe at perception.fireside.fm. Hook up on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Bilbrey318 and on Twitter at PISRBilbrey. Email khbilbrey at gmail.com or get off your butt and call the show at 765-546-9796. Till next time, remember, perception Perception is, is reality. Reality. This has been Perception is Reality with Christopher H. Bilbrey, where we aim for better government through citizen involvement.